Shut down. No, stay open. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So I started recording because I like starting recording at the weirdest times when nobody's Because you like editing things? No, because I like not editing things and just being random. (laughs) Fair. Fair enough. All right. So today on Your Horse is Not the Problem, Functional Talks with Sarah and Kat, we have the topic, Kat, of expectations and what to expect when you're expecting. I'm so proud of that title. Yeah, it's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. Um, Okay, so what should you expect when you're expecting? Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. Um, Clarification here. What are we talking about (laughs) when we're talking about expecting? Because we're not talking about (laughs) Let's clarify this. Um, No, we are talking about expectations that come with many things so Sarah you had the example of the differences between classical horsemanship and modern day riding and the expectations we put on the horses and ourselves Um, and I had the examples around the expectations or like the predisposed expectations I get I guess that we would have when we're going through certain things like injury recovery would be an easy one. We all kind of get caught up in these expectations of timelines and how things should be. And, and that would go for even just general riding. You can go into a ride and just have this expectation of this is what's going to happen. This is how we're going to do it, blah, blah, blah. Um, and as one of my one coach used to always say, horses keep you humble. Um, but our expectations can get us into a lot of trouble in some ways. Or set us up for success, depending on how you look at it. Continue. <laughs> In which direction? Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you expect of me, Sarah. <laughs> so here, start with that. You don't know. Well, I've made my expectations very clear. Have you? Um, so that would be one place to start is, I mean... We talk about awareness and intentions and I mean, Sarah, how do you think expectation and intention, how do those two things align or do they? All right. Don't play my games. Um, (laughs) Expectation and intention. That's great because I think that first off, if you have an intention, that is that's a completely different thing than an expectation. If I have an intention that um, today we're going to have uh, an incredible podcast and it's going to flow seamlessly, then that's an intention. I'm, I'm setting myself up with the intent of accomplishing that. But if I fall short of that, or if we fall short of that, I didn't go in it with an expectation. I went in it with an intention of what I would like it to be. So if I don't, it's almost like you can't fall short of an intention. Whereas an expectation, in a lot of scenarios, you're setting yourself up for failure in an expectation because you're expecting something. And it's like things that expectation, the other words that come to mind is entitlement. 
feeling that you deserve to have something. So when you're going and getting your horse and your expectation is that he's going to be a unicorn today and today he is not feeling it. Um, his buddy kicked him in the ribs yesterday and so he can't even bend going to the right. Um, so now you're, you're setting yourself up for disappointment in a lot of those scenarios. Whereas if your intent is, I'm going to enjoy my horse today, chances are that's going to happen. Um, that's yeah. the intention that you, you went forward with. Yeah, that's a really good example. Good job, Sarah. The no problem. image that popped up for me when you were saying all that is that an intention is kind of like opening the door for something to happen. Um, whereas an expectation is like trying to pave like one set pathway. So like you said, yeah. if you go into a ride and you're like, I'm going to do this and this and this in my ride and your horse is just not on the same page as you, but you have these hard, fat, hard and set expectations, then you're kind of setting yourself up to be disappointed. Whereas if, like you said, if you had the intention and you open the door for an experience to happen and we're open to whatever that experience brought, then it's really hard to have a bad experience if you're opening that door. And like, this is something I see all the time with in terms of like injury recovery or um, like recovering from some sort of trauma, whether physical or mental, it's like people get what, what is the worst part of it for people is the expectation um, expectations that they have of either getting back to where they used to be or what they deem to be their like the path that they have to take or the path that has now been set for them um they kind of get lost and we talk about this all the time but you can kind of get lost in like fixating on something expectation and fixation are very similar <laughs> i think in a lot of ways um because an expectation implies that you have like this pre-created reality in your head of what exactly was going to happen instead of having an open-ended conversation with whether it be your horse or your body or like the thoughts going through your mind like yeah it's 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 putting something in a box instead of letting things speak to you and I think that's really important when it comes to the relationships we have with um things <laughs> beings like horses um, and our bodies because those two things communicate to us in very nonverbal fashions, but they are always communicating to us. So expectation doesn't allow for that nonverbal flow of communication, whereas intention would. Yeah. And it, I think that, um, when you're saying expectation, it's almost saying that, uh, you actually have control because at no point do we ever have control. Whereas your intent you're, you just, um, I mean, really intent can be straight up fantasizing. Like it, it could just be my intent today is that, um, oh no, now I'm, I've lost it. Son of a gun. Well, okay. Going back to your example, my intent today is that I'm going to feel better than I did yesterday. Yeah. Like it, that's, you don't you're not saying I have control over it you're saying my intention is today I'm going to feel better than I did yesterday but it's also putting some ownership on it 
because if my intent is to feel better today than I did yesterday, then I'm going to work towards that intent. I'm going to wake up and do some yoga. I'm going to have a really clean breakfast. I'm, um, I'm going to try to live my day better than I lived my day yesterday to feel better. I'm, I'm, I'm owning that. When I'm going with that expectation, today I expect to feel better. Then it's... Uh, it, 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 it's controlling the scenario. I expect no matter what I do, I'm going to feel better. Yeah. I don't know. Does that, does that clarify it a little bit? Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense to me. And I think, I think we have to be careful in saying that it's not that we like expectations aren't necessarily a bad thing either. It's just the intention in which you set expectations with. So like, for example, I couldn't, um, as a business owner, when I'm bringing on new people onto my team as associates or staff or whatever it may be, I, and I'm guilty of this in the past, but I can't not give them expectations. Like I can't not give them any idea of what I expect of them in terms of like what kind of work they're going to be doing, what kind of goals they're going to be setting, that kind of thing. Um, so expectations do give us a lot of structure and they're good when you can outline them in certain settings. But I think the expectations that we're talking about is more the ones that we just like lock ourselves into based on. Yeah. Because on the other side of that coin, the expectation is that you will pay your yeah. staff. <laughs> Theoretically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. And that's like... And you could frame that as guidelines or objectives or whatever too in that scenario. But um, yeah, like they can get carried away in other more uh, loose ended settings. And I, I think we're talking more about either internal expectations. So like the mind games we can play ourselves with relation to that, but then also cultural expectations. So your example of um, the expectations we place on horses then versus now and like what's better what's not better what's changed why are we locked into these same settings yeah yeah why are we locked into these same settings so what what well <laughs> expectations those settings who was i talking i was talking this with a friend yesterday um, the expectations that we kind of get hardwired into, um, they do become an automatic kind of setting, which for us as humans creates a sense of stability and comfort, um, which means we kind of keep ourselves in those expectations because then we know what to expect. And it's the same as I just outlined in an example of like uh, employment setting where you know that you have these expectations and guidelines to live up to and then the expectation in return is that you're going to get compensation related to those expectations that have been set for you but on the flip side of that it's like it's the same thing that goes on inside our brains where it's like we have this expectation it's been this way forever or for the last number of years and it's been told to us that this is the way things work and this is the way things should be done therefore we know that we're safe in living up to these expectations. And if we don't live up to those expectations in whatever scenario it is, um, horsemanship for an example, 
then we're pegged as the weird ones or the odd ones out or not living up to a certain standard or not fitting in. And then therefore we feel unsafe because as humans we're, we're community orientated beings for survival. So if we're now placed outside of the community, whether it be in horse world or work world or whatever, just general living, um, we at a very physiological level will there feel, therefore feel unsafe. <laughs> and, and that's not what we strive for as a being on an unconscious level. I went deep with that. Yeah, you did. But um, no, that's, I think that you're hitting the nail on the head is because we, um, it, it's going with the flow, right? If, and like, honestly, most people that own a horse are in a boarding stable. And a lot of boarding stables have a trainer. Or they've got somebody that's um, just a elevated rider that's maybe a little bit ahead of the crowd. And so there's like there's people that we all look up to. And I think that the trend right now is the people that everyone is looking up to in the horse industry are going forward with an expectation. There's a, a lot of competition riders out there. And I'm not saying that competition riding is bad. Um, I, I'm not saying that because there's a lot of great competition riders out there. But there's some things that can happen when you're competing and there's an expectation that you um, perform a certain way, like with any athlete, um, that maybe during your training sessions, you end up doing things that you wouldn't do if you weren't trying to, to meet that goal. Um, and so I think when a lot of the grassroots people are seeing this and they're seeing how people are achieving certain things, they're trying to replicate it. And then they're starting to ride with an expectation that their horse should be able to perform and do what that horse is doing. And I've seen that and heard that. I'm sure you have, I'm sure everybody listening has at certain, at, or not at certain barns, but at different barns, um, somebody will say, well, that person's horse can do it. Why can't mine? Mm-hmm. And then they start to, to almost force the horse, no, straight up force the horse into position or into doing something because somebody else's horse can do it. And they're not doing it out of meanness or abuse. They're doing it because they're seeing something. They want to replicate it. They don't know how to replicate it. So they're forcing the, industry, or the, the issue. So you end up in the industry, there's a lot of expectation, not to mention the money that's in it. If you're like really a typical standard story, um, your parents bought you a horse. They're paying for lessons. They're paying for board. The kid has a lot of stress on them from their parents and from their coach to get to a certain place because of the money that's been put into it. Um, or like a lot of women, they turn... I don't know what age they turn. The kids grow up and they're like, it's usually, I think it's like 50. Sorry. Um, and uh, they buy worse there. And there's this expectation that um, they've like, they've been waiting for maybe 20 years to get that horse again. 
so they've just got this expectation like oh this is going to be like it was when i was a kid and this is going to happen um and i mean that's it that's another direction that we can go because it's uh, when you're coming back to riding but there there's so many different things that pop up in the industry and it's it's kind of changing the way we're looking at it and luckily now there's a lot of really good stuff um online that people can check out so we no longer have um people just kind of stuck in their own area watching the horsemanship around them um, they're able to kind of branch out without having to travel and I, I remember somebody saying that one time that um you could tell where a person was from by the way that they rode yep. because people yep. typically ride the same within a hundred mile radius yeah well and it's even true like on a local standpoint like my coaches my the coaches I um, trained with when I was competing I always used to say like they could tell like my one coach could tell who was going like if she had a horse in the hunter ring she could look across the competition grounds and see the jumper ring and know if it was one of her riders based on how the rider rode into the ring and like all coaches have that like even on a local standpoint you can tell where somebody rides based on the habits they have in their riding yeah it's and no it's it's so true it's so crazy when you see somebody and you can just do right away mm -hmm. oh that person's coached by so-and-so and it it can be how they hold their elbows or where their chin is like it is so incredibly cool how <laughs> people put their stamp on their students but it's the same with the horses you can typically tell who a horse is trained by if you know the trainer uh, you can spot their horses out there yeah and like these are things so this kind of leads into like the other side of that expectations that i was getting at earlier where it's like so many of these things aren't even aren't even something that they aren't even something that most of us are aware of at a conscious level like a lot of these expectations that get placed on us or we fall into are things that are going on under the surface of of our conscious processing so in order to change them or reset them or rewire them it first takes us to become aware of them and that can be a tough process as awareness is um but yeah like it's so much of this happens under the surface that until you start either until you're transported into a completely different scenario so let's say you move training barns or you have an injury that forces you to either take an extended period of time off or means that you have to change how you were doing things because of just like baseline pain or a change in processing for your body. Um, you don't like that's when you can maybe become that's like a forced awareness of some of these things. Um, I've seen that before where like, I mean, <laughs> a really dumb example, but like, what I've noticed, because I, I mean, I have been in a few different barns in Manitoba, but then at one point I was working in a barn in New Zealand across the world, and then I worked in a few different barns while I was over there. And the one thing I've noticed about the horse industry, every single barn and every single rider does the back buckles of a blanket differently on like, a, like an outdoor blanket for their horses, every single one. And therefore, like it was almost impossible to know unless you were told while you were like being shown the ropes of working in a new barn, 
which way the owner or the trainer or whatever preferred for these back buckles of the blanket to be buckled. And almost always you would do it wrong based on their standards or their expectations and have to be corrected down the road. But it was like, and that's the dumbest example ever, but like, that's exactly what happens that we, we know how to do something and we do it over and over and over again. And then something happens or we change or the environment changes and that's no longer the correct way or that no longer makes sense with the new environment. And you're like, oh, interesting that I did this for so long and it was right, quote unquote, right. And now I have to change and rewire that entire setting around this new environment, this new reality. That's a really good example because that is so true. You'd think that there's only like two or three ways to put on the back buckles of a blanket, but there's not. (laughs) And there's no way to guess which one is right ever. No, no, it's impossible. It's the same with <laughs> ha- hanging up a blanket. But I mean, that's that's a perfect example because it's it, like you're um, how you hang a halter. It's mm-hmm. expected that when you walk into a barn, you know how to hang a halter, and it's expected that you hang the halter the way that everybody else hangs the halter. Um, but I, I mean, we're getting off topic now. It's just <laughs> it is funny because it's when you kind of open up that awareness to it. Um, you start, you start to be able to notice, wow, my wording is just spot on right now, Um, how much expectation there is in the industry. And like, and we're not even talking about um, the, the, no, you can, you can go into the expectations of horseback riders as um, an athlete, because we've, I think we've touched on it on a lot of the podcast, how riders are expected to get up wipe the dirt off and get back on Mm -hmm. and you as an athletic therapist um i i'm sure that there's been numerous times where you've witnessed that and you're screaming in your head like do not get back on like it it's but it's expected that we're supposed to just tough it out Mm -hmm. um that's the myself like that's the thing like and again you do it, you do it because again, that's the expectation, that's the industry, that's the culture. Even though maybe some people are like, oh, you should take care of yourself. Oh, you shouldn't get back on. Oh, you should stay still. There's this underlying current of, well, if I don't get back on, what are people going to think? I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm going to be considered this. Like it's. Well, it's, I I think that a lot of times the emphasis is put on, if you don't get back on, your horse is going to remember that and buck you off next time. I've always heard the opposite. If you don't get back on, then you're going to be scared to get back on later on, which yeah, but I can confirm as being true, but <laughs> completely beside the point. Yeah. It's the, it's, there's just a lot put on, not when you don't get back on. Um, I can remember a couple times where um, in one scenario, I had a horse uh, come over backwards on top of me and I broke my foot. The, the horn landed on my foot. I got out of the way and the horn of the Western saddle landed on my foot. So I walked the half mile home and the horse was waiting for me by the gate. So I brought her into the arena and I can remember the conversation going through your head. Do I get back on? Is this broken? What are the implications if I get back on? What are the implications if I don't get back on? So finally, I was like, I'm pretty sure I can lunge her. So I lunged her with uh, my boots slowly um, (laughs) becoming trapped on my foot, um, made sure that there was no kinks or whatever. 
and uh, turned her out, made sure she had food, <laughs> put my tack away, and then uh, called someone to drive me to the hospital. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but it's like it's there's so many things that end up going through your head in that scenario, and uh, and then your own well being. If I get back on, what about how do I get back off? <laughs> But it's, it's, um, I think that if you're in, like, if you handle that with intent, like, okay, I am going to get back on, I'm going to get back on as soon as I can. But at this point in time, it's not safe for me to do so. And um, yeah, flipping it around and instead of um, having to feel like you're being expected to do it just um, going forward with that intent instead of leaving and, and kind of thinking, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> yeah. It's, and and that's, I mean, that's exactly right. Like that intention, that intention is going to open the door for awareness. And then that through that awareness, you can react to expectation accordingly. Does that make sense? React to expectation accordingly. Elaborate on that one. That's, that's good. Okay, the thought I had has disappeared. Um, but it, what was the expected? What was the thing I was saying? Um, okay, so I've been using the term rewiring a lot. Uh, and I think that that becomes possible, like I said, when we're exposed to some new environment. So to take your example of um, you've been fucked off your horse and you're now examining the pros and cons of what comes next. Um, you're now placed in this new scenario where you're, you're kind of fine-tuned towards your survival and safety, but then also have these expectations behind you that suggest you should get back on, you should be doing this, you should this and this and this. Um, and they may be conflicting with, you've also been told numerous times by your coach or whoever, by your athletic therapist perhaps, that if you fall, stay down until somebody checks you out or until you can like really become aware of what is going on in your own body, depending on how you fell, before you get up and move around in case you're actually hurt and you just don't feel it yet. Good advice. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> professional advice. Have I taken that advice often myself? No, but professional advice. Um, so you now have these conflicting things. Meanwhile, your body is now kind of shaken up and you've experienced this, this level of trauma. And this could go for emotional trauma too. Um, so now comes the point, and it might be short term, it might be in that moment exactly, or it might be over the long term while you're recovering from this. And again, professional advice, no matter how big or small the trauma is, and it'd be a spectrum, you still need uh, time to recover because your system, again, on a biological level, does not just like pick itself up and dust itself off right away, no matter what your decision is in the moment. Um, it's going to take, take your brain and your nervous system time to rewire itself, but it creates this opportunity for you to think and become aware and, um, begin the process of, of changing those expectations over time through that awareness and through the intention. Cause then once you have that awareness, you can set the intention or set an intention around, um, like an open, like intention is so open-ended. So you could set this open-ended intention, intention about examining why you had those expectations in the first place. So for instance, why do I feel the need to get back on right now? 
why do I feel a need that I have to get back on this horse when I've just fallen off? Is it emotional response? Am I angry? Am I frustrated? Am I upset? Um, if those are the cases, is me getting back on this horse right now actually the best idea? Or maybe it's a fear of, well, if I don't get back on right now, then um, I'm going to be scared down the road to get back on. And you can maybe examine why that may or may not be true. Um, or it could be my shoulder kind of hurts. I fell on my shoulder pretty funny. If I get back on right now, how am I going to back off? How am I going to get the tack off? Is there someone around that can help me? Uh, if I get back on right now, is the horse going to buck me off again? Question mark. <laughs> so like, but you can start examining that and then you can make a decision from there. And then keeping in mind the decision you make, whether it be to stay off or to get back on or to do something else that's not quite getting back on, like lunging or whatever it may be, you can then go into that decision with an awareness of why you maybe went against an expectation that you had, but how that's going to rewire for the next expectation kind of creates a contrast. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. And then you went down some different paths there. Yeah, I really did. And then the second thing I was going to go on with that contrast is that sometimes when we have some sort of trauma, um, can you tell I've been reading a lot about trauma lately? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> not at all, right? Um, when we've been through something, again, long or short term, whether it be one fall or a series of things or a horse that was just specifically really hard to work with, when you've been through that scenario and then again, if you change the environment, let's say you get a new horse, you're still riding a different horse that has a completely different set of bells and whistles. Um, what was working or what was normal on this in this one context on this one horse is going to be completely different in contrast to now what you're working with on this new horse. So the expectations you had or the normals that you created for yourself in that environment before don't match up anymore with what your, your new situation is. But if you try and treat that new situation with the old expectations, you're probably not going to get very far in a very efficient way. Now, say that again. If you treat, yeah, say that again. Okay, so the example was, let's say you've been riding this one horse for a long period of time, and they have all these habits. Maybe you've had experiences with them that have made you ride a certain way. Um, and then you get a new horse. And that new horse is has all these other things, all their own habits, their personality, um, different things they've experienced in their past. And you go about riding this new horse or being around this new horse with the same expectations and the same set of habits that you had with this old horse, then you're just creating this previous environment for this new horse, which may or may not be good. But instead of approaching that new horse with an open-ended intention and awareness, that this is a new horse, you don't need to react the same way to this new horse as you did to the old horse. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're going into it expecting that horse to behave in a certain way. And yeah. what typically happens is that horse starts behaving in that same way. And then you hear people saying, I sold my old horse because he always used to uh, bolt and run home. And now my new horse is doing the same freaking thing. Why can't I find a good horse? Yeah. 
Yeah. Spoiler alert. Your horse isn't a problem. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I wonder if there's a hashtag for that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm getting at that like old environment and expectations versus the new environment. And like, again, we, we, if we aren't aware, we could easily run into that new environment and try and set up the same expectations and the same habits and the same like things only to maybe unintentionally, of course, unintentionally setting ourselves up for the same experience, which may or may not be good. I mean, you could have had an amazing horse before that and then bought this new horse and maybe it was a young horse and you had this great experience and you're not transferring it over to the new horse, which is great. That's a positive way to look at it. Um, but you wouldn't necessarily know if it was going to be positive or negative unless you went into that with an open, open mind and set the intention of riding the new horse and getting to know the new horse and being open to the communication from the new horse or the new environment, or the new whatever. Um, if you had gone into it with a closed mind and like, just like dead straight on and said like, nope, this is the way riding should be. And this is the way my horse is going to be. And this is the way everything's going to work out based on your previous experience. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, it's, it's, it's really interesting because when you meet a new horse, um, they're, they're really just an open book and a, or a wrong word, clean slate. So any of the old habits that you had with your previous horse, um, you can just start fresh. You don't have to continue doing the same things and getting the same results. Isn't that the um, uh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting the different results? Yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, that's how we treat horses a lot of the time. It's how we treat um, each other too. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's how, it's how we treat our bodies. It's how we treat um, everything. <laughs> everything. What would you have for lunch today? Bacon. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> hey, no, I fully support your uh, supporting the Canadian pork industry. Um, but I mean, this is, and this is something again, like the horse example makes sense, but I'm, I'm, I'm essentially replacing the, like I'm saying new horse, old horse or old horse, new horse, but I'm also meaning like new person that you're meeting. If you go into this new relationship, new friendship, new, whatever, expecting things to be the same as they were in a previous experience with a totally different person. I mean, all, all of us have like, it's like a trust issue thing, right? Like it's where all these insecurities and these trust things come up or with our bodies too, right? Like if you, I know for myself, like, had chronic low back pain for a lot of my like teenage years and like early twenties. And it got to a point where like, you're expecting that to happen in certain scenarios and therefore it would happen in certain scenarios. Um, and until you, until I, until somebody, until whatever really gets to a point where they can be aware of, okay, what's actually triggering this pain or triggering this response to another human being. Is it something that that person is doing or Am I expecting this to happen? Therefore, I'm creating it out of thin air, essentially. And this is something as a practitioner in the healthcare industry, I've actually had to check myself with because you can get really jaded working with people day in and day out who are stuck in a pain cycle or stuck in a very negative cycle because of some situation they're going through. But what I've seen happen, I like have for sure been guilty of this, is that you, if you see five people in a row that just have this super negative 
day or having a really bad day or having really bad series of events happen to them with regards to pain or injuries or whatever it may be, and they're in this negative mental state, and then you have a sixth person come into your, your work day, and you go into the session with them expecting them to be the same as the last five people, you're A, not serving them, and B, it's, it, it, like it puts a filter on your experience and how you can help them. Because if you are like, well, everybody's just stuck in this negative cycle and everybody's a victim and all the stuff, then you're, you're essentially telling them that they're also in that. And they, even if, if they are, or if they aren't, it doesn't really matter. You're now creating that situation for them. You're setting them up, self up for that. And that's not your job, nor is it a good thing. Um, yeah. But I mean, we all do this in every context of our lives. No, oh, totally agree with you. This is, whew. This went in an interesting... <laughs> we went deep. <laughs> as per usual. Um, I, unfortunately, have to cut this short because I have to get going. Um, this could be part one. <laughs> well, I have uh, talked to our good friend, Sharice, and uh, I'm forcing her next week because that's how we get people on the podcast is Literally we force we them. <laughs> Um, and I think that this would be a good topic to continue with her. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. So, you have a uh, challenge for our listeners? Dang it. I was trying to ask you if you had a challenge. Beat you to the punch. Um, a challenge. Well, today was about expectations. Um, so, I guess our challenge, a very, like, super simple challenge, would to be noticing when you're going forward with an expectation and then noticing how you feel afterwards, whether that expectation is met or not met. And I just, just being aware of how much we expect throughout our day. And then maybe noticing the difference when you go through something with intent. And that can be as simple because like the first thought I had when you said that was like, well, how does somebody just start noticing this? You can't just start noticing it. You can, but um, a more tangible uh, way to do that would be, um, let's say you're going into an experience you have all the time. Um, and instead of just going through the experience, whatever, write, write down or take notes on your phone or just like take a minute and actually think about how the experience made you feel. Um, and then try and piece out from that the kind of thing that that feeling or the list of feelings that you have where those feelings are coming from and just take note of that and then from there you're going to be able to start building that awareness and that tangible ability to be like wait a second is this how something is or is this how i'm expecting it to be what's the difference and then you could ask your whys I thought you said your wives, and I'm like, those are your listeners. <laughs> wives, W H Y Yes, your wives. <laughs> yes, exactly. Tying into other challenges, but yeah, that's that's a good good challenge. Lead into our next episode. Adventure. I prefer to call them adventures. Yeah, adventures is a good good words so sarah's gonna go have a relaxing evening um i'm gonna go again um (laughs) no i like my job um good this has been (laughs) 
Your horse is not the problem with Sarah and Kat. And you can find us on Instagram at SoFall Equine Services and at Ridewell Performance. And we look forward to spewing more thoughts at you sometime in the future. Perfect. Okay, till next time.